0: Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. Number one inhibitor of intimacy is lack of spiritual dependence. And another way to say that is unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations set us up for failure in marriage. And marriage on the rock. Uh, there are several sessions in that. But especially the most important issue in marriage. If you want to go deeper in this point. It's in marriage on the rock. Okay, Two very common expectations. That people have when they get married. Is this. You're going to make me happy. And you're going to meet my needs. Okay, And so we get married. And we think I'm going to get married. And you're going to make me happy. And you're going to meet my needs. Well the first is, is this. Your spouse cannot meet your deepest needs. You have four needs in your life that only God can meet. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And God meeting those needs in you is the basis of your happiness. I love Karen, and I'm so happy with Karen, but I could be happy without Karen. Karen loves me, and she's happy with me, but she could be happy without me because of Jesus. And if, if we say to another person, you're my life, and I can't live without you, that is a codependent statement. And, and I love Karen. I don't want to live without Karen. But the point is, Jesus makes me happy, not other people. And if, if your happiness depends on people, then, then you're literally just at the, at the whim of how people are acting that particular day. Let me say this. In the midst of people who aren't doing what I want them to do, I can still be happy because of Jesus. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. He accepts me for who I am. I don't have to have whiter teeth and fresher breath or six-pack abs. You know, I have washboard abs. I just have a load of towels in right now. I go. <laughs> They're so precious to me, I cover them with padding. And, but Jesus accepts me for who I am right now. So acceptance, identity. I, he made me in my mother's womb, and He knows my real name. But your real name you get when you go to heaven, there, you'll get a white stone with your real name on it. Because the name you have right now is not your real name. When God made you in your mother's womb, he gave you a name that nobody else has. And part of the beauty of knowing God is he knows who you really are. He knows why. He, no person can tell you who you are. Only God can tell you who you are. So your sense of identity has to come from God if you're going to be whole and really live your life correctly. Security. Only God can make us truly secure. No army can make us truly secure. No medicine can make us truly secure. No weapon can make us truly secure, but the Spirit of God can make us truly secure. And purpose. I have a higher purpose for life than making a buck and spending it. I have a higher purpose of life than just going through another 24 hours of biological processes. I live for a king and a kingdom. And when I wake up every day, I do something that makes an eternal difference in people's lives. That's the purpose of my life. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Only God can meet those needs. And it's called the principle of transference. If I don't depend on God to meet those needs, I automatically transfer the expectation of that to my spouse. I depend on God to meet my deepest needs. And I depend on God to solve my biggest problems. And I'm not going to put that expectation on you. I have, my God is a big God, and I'm going to put faith in Him. Number two inhibitor of intimacy is rejection of the inherent differences between us. And so when Karen and I got married, I just thought she's so weird because she's not like me. And we, we got in all these fights because we rejected each other's differences. You have different love needs. The men need, uh, the four major needs of a man, honor is number one, sex. Number two, friendship with his wife, wants to be buddies, and domestic support. Women are not at all like that. Not that they don't have any of those needs. Number one need of a woman is security. Number two is open and honest communication. Number three is soft, non-sexual affection. And number four is leadership. Not being dominated. They want their husband to be the initiator of the well-being of the home. All four of our major needs are different. And so when your spouse is telling you what they need from you, you... It's not anything that you need. It's not anything that you can relate to. The mega need of men is honor, and the mega need of women is security. They're almost complete opposites in that sense. And so if I'm going to be able to to, uh, be intimate with you, it means I have to come out of my world into your world. If you could meet your own needs, you wouldn't have married me. You can't meet your own needs. You're depending on me. And if I'm going to meet your needs, it means I need to listen. I need to listen to what you're saying and I need to believe it when you tell me you're different. Uh, Money, Our money languages are typically different. Uh, I didn't know that there were different money languages. There are four different money languages and Karen and I have different money languages and one of the things we couldn't talk about early in our marriage was money. Money was a a toxic issue for us because we had such different ways of looking at it. There are drivers. Some people see money. And to them, money just means success. Money is a symbol of success. And they use it to buy houses and cars and symbols of success. To other people, their analytics, money is security. They like to save it. They like to stack it up. The more of it they have, the more secure they feel. They're amiables. And to an amiable, money means love. And that means we have money, we can get the family together, go on vacation, share it, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there are expressives. And to an expressive, money means acceptance. It means I can get into the right groups of people. I can, you know, get into the right social groups to do whatever, you know, I, I want to do with my life. Drivers, analytics, amiables, and expressives. Karen's an analytic, I'm an amiable. And so to Karen, money means security, and Karen is a fantastic money manager and a great saver of money. I'm an amiable, so to me, money means love. Money means, hey, let's have fun. Let's bless somebody. Let's whatever. And Karen's very generous, by the way. When we got married, we fought constantly about money, and she would call me a spendthrift, and I would call her a tightwad. And when she called me a spendthrift, it drove me crazy. And I said, Karen, you're the type of person, you're going to die with all your money in a mattress, and nobody will like you. And she said, you won't even have a mattress. (laughs) So, we're different. But let me say this. When we learned that we had a different money language and began to respect it, we make fantastic decisions together. Karen restrains me in making decisions and helps me to slow down, and I help her to have fun. And she's down here droning. (laughs) When I said that, because she's very fun. Everybody knows she's very fun. I'm talking about with money. (laughs) We have different giftings and talents and things like that. And so we just have a different way of seeing the world. Now, here's three types of differences in marriage. Number one is rejected differences. Roll your eyes. You're crazy. I told Karen, she used to tell me when we first got married, she would say something. I'd say, you're crazy. I just thought she's out of her mind. The second is tolerated differences. And that's women. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. You know, it's, it's not like I'm rejecting you, it's just like I'm judging you, you know, if you roll, roll your eyes. The third is celebrated differences. And that is, we're a team. Isn't it great that we don't have the same things in our lives? Isn't it great that God spread the giftings and talents and perspectives so together we make such a fantastic team? And when Karen and I got married, we rejected each other's differences. Today, we celebrated each other's differences. And so when you reject your spouse's differences, you you reject them. And the ethic that fixes this is respect. Respect. Two ways that I respect you. One is I'm not going to talk bad about you. I'm not going to shame you and put you down for being honest about who you are. When you tell me what your needs are, it doesn't mean everything in you is right. It just means it's you. And I'm not going to run you down. I'm not going to browbeat you. I'm not going to be sarcastic with you. In fact, I'm going to praise you. One of the key uh, leading, the four indicators of divorce, the four predictors of divorce, number one predictor of divorce is negativity. When a negative tone sets up in your relationship, it is the most damaging thing that you can do to your relationship when you begin to pick on each other and begin to point out each other's faults. The, the number one thing you do to build your marriage is to praise your spouse. And when your spouse says something to you and, and you're, trying, you're, you're trying to get it, you're trying to process it, don't say, man, that's weird. Just, just say, wow, that's so special. I'm going to have to meditate on that. You know. <laughs> You're like on another level. I'm trying to get there. And it, it makes all the difference in the world. So, and I'm going to believe you. And I'm going to believe you. When you tell me, I need you to do this. This is, this is what I need you to do. I need you to do this. I'm going to believe you. See, for years, Karen, here's what I tell people when they come to see me for counseling. Your spouse has been trying to tell you for years what their needs are. You just haven't listened. Because we have this idea that if we marry our soulmate, they're just like us. We, you know, Everything's just alike. That's not true. If you marry your perfect soulmate, you're very different people. You're not alike. And so you have to listen, and I'm going to respect you with my mouth, but I'm going to respect you with my mind. And when you're talking, and my eyes begin to cross, and I'm thinking, how in the world could anyone be this way? rather than judging you and rejecting you, I'm going to believe you and believe that God made you that way. We have some questions from our viewers, Karen. The first one is for you, and this is a woman. She's saying, I'm very disillusioned with my marriage. My needs aren't getting met, uh, and I'm not happy. How do you have a positive mindset when you feel this way?
1: I think this is um, probably what most women go through at some point in their marriage, and you know, the first thing that comes to my thoughts as I was re- reading or having you read that is I was thinking, it. There's a deception in our marriages that someone said that you're supposed to make me happy, and I can't depend on Jimmy to make me happy because he's going to have good days and bad days, you know. And so, I think that you know, it's you know, first of all, scratch that from your thinking. I mean you should get your joy from the lord you should get your joy from who you are in god and who god is to you and 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 what you can give to others get get joy by serving get joy and be happy by uh giving out of yourself but to put that on someone it's just you're never going to be happy because it's it's just not realistic and and i know so many so many of us have been guilty of that so don't feel bad um but the other thing is you know when Jimmy, you know, if he's having bad times and, and you know, I need to be respectful that he's going to have some bad days because I'm going to have some bad days too. You know, and, and if I'm having a, being in a bad mood, you know, and I want some grace, you know, when I'm in a bad mood, how much have I given him grace for when he's in a bad mood? You know, and so, you know, always look at this, this pers- from the perspective of, is, we're not here to make each other happy. We're here to serve, to love, to give, to get outside of, you know, and raise a family. And, and so anyway, I hope that it helps.
0: Well, I, I completely agree with that, Karen. And I think that unrealistic expectations lead us to a broken heart. Mm-hmm. And we and I think that in our culture, for the most part, we have the expectation that you're gonna make me happy. Mm-hmm. That you have this magic inside you mm-hmm. that if you're being a good wife or you're being a good husband, that I'm gonna be happy. Yeah. Happiness happiness comes from I believe two things. One is God and the other one is Choice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, "We're as mm-hmm. happy as we make up our minds to." Yeah, be.
1: and being grateful, being thankful.
0: Absolutely, and and so uh, I think that that your emotional state is not connected to your husband. But see what what happens is, if if I say you're supposed to make me happy, and you're not making me happy all of a sudden, you become the problem. Yeah. And I live my life with the belief that if mm-hmm. you change, I mm-hmm. would change. You'd be happy. You, I have, the, I'm not a victim. I have the power to change right now, regardless mm-hmm. of who changes around me. Mm-hmm. But see, when I become happy, mm-hmm. I just change the marriage well, right you there.
1: make everybody else happy. Yeah. Yeah, I love being around happy people. Well, and I release
0: you from a, from a responsibility mm-hmm. that you shouldn't have in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now our our marriage is free from that the the burden of that deception. So but let me tell you something, that's the way I was. Mm-hmm. When we got married, I expected you to make me happy and to meet my needs and all those things. And a lot of our fights were based on mm-hmm. the fact that I didn't feel like you were, when in fact all the expectations I would put on you were so unfair. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got a question for me.
1: Okay, Jimmy, my spouse rejects me for being different. It's difficult to keep trying repeatedly when my needs are being rejected.
0: Well, um, and I believe that's a man that's mm-hmm. asking that question. But uh, when you re- when you reject your spouse's needs, mm-hmm. you reject them. Mm-hmm. And in other words, if I say to you, Karen, I need you to do this, you say, "Oh, that's weird. Who cares?" (laughs) Well, you just rejected me. Mm -hmm. But and and our needs are different. You know, men need honor, sex, Mm -hmm. friendship with their wives, domestic support. Women need security, open and honest communication, non-sexual affection, leadership. Our needs are different. So when we get married, and he says she rejects my needs, Mm -hmm. okay, and and how do I keep trying? when she keeps rejecting me. Well it's it's very demotivating. Mm-hmm. But I would say this meet her needs. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, it's it's kind of sounds like what he's doing is constantly mm-hmm. asking her to do something mm-hmm. rather than the law of sowing and reaping. You know, if you if you sow into your spouse, you're gonna reap from your spouse. Mm-hmm. And meet her needs, mm-hmm. meet her needs, mm-hmm. meet her needs. Well I'll say this, she's not gonna mind you meeting her needs. Mm-hmm. She, mind, she might mind you demanding that you that she meet your mm-hmm, needs. Mm-hmm. But when you serve her, mm-hmm. when when you give, make her feel secure, talk to her, hold her, uh, lead the family mm-hmm. properly, and you're seeding into her, now it's not about you and about you getting rejected. It's about you, by mm-hmm. faith, sowing love into your spouse, believing you don't just reap what you sow, you reap where you sow. Mm-hmm. When you sow into your spouse, you're gonna reap from your spouse right. so he's you know he's just it sounds to me of course i used to do it i mean that, that was the way i was but it sounds to me like he's just kind of demanding something getting his heart broken and he said well i'm just going to go on down the road surely there's somebody down there that you know that, that will understand me but the the point is is that that it's a it's really dysfunctional when and i know he feels rejected yeah. and i understand that and it's and his wife needs to be meeting his needs and that's very important but but what i'm saying is is that you're not a victim mm-hmm. you can you can serve by faith. You can sow by faith and believing God mm-hmm. to do that. And He will, Karen. I mean, you did that in our I marriage. Do. You know, I, I rejected well, and, and you.
1: no, I'm, you know, the wife doesn't want to feel like the only reason she's there is for the husband to, you know, because he wants to be cooked for and, 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 You know, clean the house. That's not what your marriage is about. Marriage is not about that. It's about the two of you becoming one.
0: Absolutely. Well, we hope that this is helpful for you today on becoming one and (laughs) maybe getting rid of some issues that that you need to deal with. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.